Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Hi there, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me as he does every single week, my man, Benny B. Little. Our special guest this week, he's one of the most respected and well-known voices amongst Christian athletes across the country and internationally. He's been a sports chaplain with my Parramatta Eels for now over 10 years, starting back in 2011. Uh, his work and dedication was finally recognized in 2017 when he was announced the recipient of the Mick Cronin Club Person of the Year. A tremendous award shown for his strong support of the Parrot Eels. And I'm so proud to call him a close mate as well. Tonight, my guest on the Spirit of Sport is sports chaplain, George Danzy. Georgie, welcome to the Spirit of Sport. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a real honour to be here. Now, for our regular listeners, they would have heard the soothing tones of your voice last week when we were talking to Beast Tendai. Um, talk to me a bit about uh, how you got involved in the sporting world from the very start. Yeah, I, I'm a sporting guy from when I was growing up. So I, I played rugby when I was young and fortunate enough to go to boarding school when I was uh, in year 11 and 12 in one of the prestigious schools here in Sydney. Drop it, drop the name. Yeah, St. Joseph's College, Joey's, SJC, years uh, yeah, 99, 2000. And so... The Fijian see, Flyer was your name? Well, yep. As we, yep. All Fijians call, are called the Fijian Flyer. <laughs> so two years of boarding uh, prompted me to like to realise, like, maybe this could be an avenue for me to start playing sport professionally. Um, and so finished high school, um, played Colts for a particular club, just not far uh, from here, and also just, just, just trying to figure out what I want to do in life. And I think over the years, since uh, post-high school started to realise maybe sport is the avenue. But then I started getting injured all the time and started getting things didn't work out my way. But then after a while, I started realising the thing that really got me was actually helping and coming alongside athletes or, you know, guys that wouldn't want to strive to be become athletes. And so that was my sort of, um, I think, tipping point, if that may make sense, in terms of what, what I wanted to do. Last show, we interviewed The Beast with you and it was your connect that, Put us up with the beast. Yeah. How did you get to meet him, and how, tell us a bit about? Yeah, that. it's it's a it's a, it's the word of mouth really is really powerful. And one one thing I've realised doing what I was was doing because I I only started getting together with some guys, and two of them were, were professional athletes. And at the time, um, they were playing for different clubs. But it's amazing how you just entrusted with two individuals in their lives, and then two turned into three, three turned into five, five and turned into seven. Next thing you know, a, a national rugby team was touring Australia and somehow they needed someone to, to help out with their Bible studies or something like that, and I was the guy. Right. And so ever since then, it's just been a connecting point for um, many, many teams that come into Australia. So a bunch of the boys come for, um, like, a competition or games or whatever. 
and they're they're hitting you up for Bible studies or getting together for dinners and yeah, things like Bible that. Bible studies, um, dinners, even just more just to hang out, get away from um, their training and their mundane work, which I think is probably valuable too because they just want to get away, but have someone they can show them the city. One time we went, um, one of the one of the guys that toured with um, the South African team, he's really highly into his fashion, and so. We went to the city. Some of the brands he knew, I didn't know we existed, existed and the shops even existed in the right. city. So we went down downtown. He wanted to go. He already knew where to go. He bought two grand worth of stuff. Yes. And it was it was the fashion he was wearing. Um, you would think, what, why are you wearing it? A year later, people were wearing it on the street. Right. So he was way ahead of his time. And yeah, he's a rugby right. player. So you just realize there's the sporting side, but there's also the other external side of off yeah off so what was it like um like chinos bell bottom uh what are we you know about? the chinos with the, with the low ankles showing oh yeah and the baggy shirts uh, yeah this was probably more nine years ago yeah, ahead of the game and Way two ahead. grand that's two thousand dollars not no, two, no two grand, grand like we spoke about with, with yeah. beast last week yeah um i still remember the day that uh our, our old Parramatta chaplain had been there for a long time he he retired from his days at the eels and and Jared Hayne and I, we went straight to our team manager's office and said, we need to get George Danzi in here. And the reason why that happened was because you were around for so long uh, with no expectation. You never asked for anything. You never wanted anything. You just wanted to be a support for people. And uh, I genuinely believe that that's, you know, that's how the door opened at Parramatta. But yeah. the doors also opened up to so many international teams and teams across our country. Correct. As a result of that, you people know that you're just who you are without any agenda or any expectation. Yeah. Um, what's it been like experiencing different sports across the world? So, like, obviously, I don't remember the in that the was it the Colts that came the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dwayne Allen from the Indianapolis Colts, and then he went to uh, the Patriots, and they won Super Bowl the year after. Oh, really? Is that yeah. are you taking credit for that? Um, <laughs> you know, I won't say yes, but you know, yeah. Um, well, look, what's your experience been? How have you found working with athletes in that space? Because from a former athlete, I can tell you, there's definitely there's definitely dark days on the emotional roller coaster. You know, when players get injured, when you uh, you know go through poor form, when you're off contract, yeah. there's there's a lot of dark moments. And you're that person where a lot of people are leaning on during those dark times. So how have you found that, and and how do you how do you cope with it yourself? Yeah, I I've had to learn it really quick. Uh, you got you talk about when you and uh, Hainsey introduced me to the role. Like it just so happened that I just walked up to the um, front office at the reception just to catch up for a coffee with you. I think it was Joseph Paulo and some others, and then the general manager G was there, and he said, "Look, the chaplain is moving on. We I've heard about you." Um, would you mind, would you want to jump on board? And I straight away, I knew this was it. One thing, um, is that stands out is you've got to build time and, uh, with the relationships with, uh, these particular, um, individuals because at, at the time, you know, they're getting bombarded with promos, they're getting bombarded with tickets or signage or whatever jerseys. So you've got to build time in order to just to be there for them and not just for anything else, nothing for, to build yourself. So over those years, you built that, and over the years, they trust you with more, and then they trust you with, the, with their friends, and they trust you with the network. And so um, some of the things they trust you with could be just something personal they just want to get off their chest. They can't talk to their spouse or can't talk to um, anything about, but they know that they can trust you and it's not going to go anywhere. And so that's something that I've got to harness and protect over the years. Uh, until this day, like, we have, I've had good relationships with people that I have still am close with that have retired because of the stuff that they're not dealing with, they, they offload it. And it's, it's lighter, a lighter burden on their behalf. And so I see the, um, 
the similarities between an NFL player, a rugby player, an NRL player, even to the individual sports from athletics. They're all dealing with the same thing. Pressure, performance, um, teamwork. Mm. Um, they're all all similar. It's just the way that they deal with it is, is, is different. And sometimes offloading the stuff is actually uh, a part of that process of performing better. Mm. With the more extreme things that these athletes go through and you're there to care for them, what's your main approach in being there for them and caring for them? Uh, yeah, I'm just there to listen. I'm right. there for them. Right. Um, uh, first time I ever visited a player, he only played – he made his first grade debut – um, it was a Good Friday. Um, he was he's been dying to make his. He only lasted I think three or four minutes. He did his ACL. He'd never played a game since. And so that way, I went and visited in hospital with wow. uh, my girlfriend, my wife at the time, and we become close friends. And you just look at an individual like that that's striving, trained, you know, to 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 become an NRL player. He did it within two minutes. The dream shattered. And he still works in the NRL today, which is awesome. Yeah. But we still talk about, you know, them, those moments. And just being there throughout the journey um, um, has been like a, a key. Even now I see of guys that I uh, have the honour of marrying um, is another thing as well. I find uh, is, is, a, is a gift because they, they see you as someone of importance in terms of the off-field stuff rather than from performance space. Yeah, the reality is after... A career, okay? The, the NRL does a great job of trying to transition players out. Clubs do their best. Yep. But the the strong reality is any professional sport, you're never going to be able to you know, replicate or replace that that hole they had because yeah. you know, the sport was such a big part of their life. So, you know, it's as an athlete, you're so used to being selfish. Everything's about you. You prepare well, you sleep well, you eat well. And then you're no longer an athlete. You're no longer getting paid the same money you were. You're no longer having the the relaxed, cruisy um, timetable and schedule that you once had. And Are you talking about yourself or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, my um, my schedule isn't too bad yet. So I'm, I'm happy with how it's gone so far. <laughs> but in general, I, I consider myself one yeah. of the, the fortunate ones. You know, I think there's, um, you know, and I did spend a lot of time preparing for retirement. But there's also, um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, luck, and I guess you know. Uh, the big fellow upstairs looking after me as well, but I'm pretty happy with the the soft landing and the yeah. smooth transition. But the reality is, there's a lot of guys that uh, aren't so lucky. So I've seen firsthand um, what guys can go through. How do you how do you help guys that are going through? So they're obviously in a bad way. Yeah. Um, it's not as simple as saying, "I oh, cheer up, mate. It's okay." Because yeah. there's a lot of real pressures in their life now. There's a lot of real changes they're facing. What's one way you approach that? Yeah, very good question. I think uh, I go straight to identity. Um, if uh, the transition straight away, um, if it's two year out or two years in, or even maybe a year in of uh, of them retiring, I focus on their identity. I see it more um, for, as an example. See it when players have kids, mm. and uh, whatever age they have kids, or they're still playing, they tend to play better. Uh, play, you know, they're always some, somehow there's something different about them, only because they've just had a they've become a dad and automatically their identity has just gone from a player to actual dad. It's a different mindset altogether. Mm. So I've seen over the years with players and I not necessarily know them uh, personally, but you can just tell, Oh, there's something different because that person's playing for something that they've never had before, like a, a child. And so when you, when, when players, uh, when players do retire, uh, the identity is still, is still there, but it's not, you're not a footy player anymore. Mm. You're a builder now. You've got your license or you've, you're a, Whatever you're doing, businessman, you've got a coffee cafe owner, 
Radio work. Radio work. Mm. And so you built that identity over a period of time. Um, and uh, yeah, I've um, yeah, I've had coffees with retired players that haven't have, haven't had that. And so I've got to go back to that model and say, okay, where do you want to be in five years or yep. two years or three years? And that will tell me and we'll list them down. Yeah. So what's your goal from the next five years? Talk them down. And then we'll just, um, we'll just talk through it. And you can see them start to switch from like, oh, okay, because their eyes lit up, they've got a bit of a, their shoulders roll back and they start to feel like, okay. Um, one thing I do want to say with the identity stuff post-retirement is that there's a stat that says uh, a lot of players that, uh, I'm not too sure if it's NRL or AFL, maybe all, is that a lot, there's a high stat that says um, when retired players retire, there's, there's a high percentage of players that retire with a spirituality base that tend to bounce back quicker than... than um, Mm. Yeah, I've heard you say it heaps of times as well, and it's probably relevant to that point. Uh, what I do doesn't define who I am. Yeah. I think if you can, get, if the players can learn that lesson when they're playing, yeah. that whether I'm injured or not, whether I'm playing first grade or not, whether I'm playing at all, it doesn't change, you know, who I am yeah. as well. So I think it's really important that that point about identity, and I think we learned that in church, and I think that's why we're so fortunate yeah. that. The, and then you know, as, like I said, as much as my transition has been smooth in terms of uh, career-wise. It's also been smooth because I've had that faith as well. Like, yeah. I haven't put all my eggs into one basket where if I'm not a free player, I don't know who I am. So I think that's a really big part of it. And like you said, faith does play a big part. Mm. In the chaplaincy uh, role, obviously yep. you um, talk, have, a, have a spiritual edge about your conversations and about your role there. Uh, you've got different people coming from all different kinds of lo- uh, walks of life, all different faiths. How do you... Uh, approach approach that like having those spiritual discussions and maybe those, uh, helping people with their spiritual journey yeah you know, obviously there's a bit of a like a when you say you're a sports chaplain automatically I can see what they're thinking mm. you know or oh, the guy that with the white collar he's a priest right pastor yeah, right. so you automatically I'm trying to uh, di- not dilute that image but more like change what their mindset is and so the best compliment I can ever get is that, oh, you don't look like a chaplain. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's perfect. That's all I want. And so just, just uh, as I say, when I say, when I say I'm a sports chaplain, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to blend in but not be the over, overarching type of guy that everyone sort of thinks. Mm. And after a while, they, they know and they trust you. So if for me being that, that sports, oh, really, well, morally spirituality got type of guys to be there for everyone i generally <clears throat> to be honest in all my roles at at the yields and helping out with other people i the conversations i have i'm generally not based with spa, uh, faith or religion at all it's more to do with life mm. some of the times i'm looking at um some of the players feeds and talk about oh you went mighty cross the other day how was it didn't know you went, you went fishing so that engages a good conversation when we build time and over over a period of time you develop this relationship and then that allows that <clears throat> spirituality if it does come. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about just being, becoming that um, connecting point, I guess. Yeah. Is there many chaplains out there? Like, do most clubs have a chaplain? Yes. All 16 in the NRL clubs do. Yeah, really? Right. Yeah. And so we, we actually catch up with um, all our NRL chaplains on a, on a Zoom on once a month and we catch up with the NRL welfare. He's in the Zoom as well. Paul Heppenstall, so we're all... Oh, the so the NRL been really good in terms of um, providing and opening that space for chaplains because it, spirituality is such uh, a holistic, part of that holistic um, mm. approach with an athlete. Yeah. And I think it's it's quite... It's quite... It's more it's more evident now. It didn't used to be. 
And uh, guys like Timmy and Jason Stevens have been helpful in that regard over the years. Mm. Well, Paul Hebensall has been, well, one, he does a great job w even now working with that welfare, well-being yeah. side of plays, helping them prepare, even with me, like throughout my career, from the very first time I met him as a kid, uh, he'd always encourage, you know, he encouraged my faith. He, it, it was yeah, just right. really comforting to know that there was someone in head, head office in the NRL who was really supportive of my journey and what it's important to me. So, yeah, to this day, now I'm retired all these years later and I'm really grateful for, you know, I guess how he encouraged me through my career. Um, I just want to talk a bit about how you find the, like, the pressures of performing. So you, players obviously are always under the pump. They've yeah. always got to perform at a high level. How do you know when to come in and when to come out? Like, how do you know when, when someone needs help, when someone wants to speak to you? How do you pick that? Yeah, it's a really another good, really good question. I think you you got to learn how to read the room, right, and read body language, and you can t I, now I can tell like oh he's not he's not doing too well he's he's reserved or he's shutting off everyone, um, that's when you know or like you just have the odd let's go for a coffee, um, and then all of a sudden the wall just breaks and you and it's just flowing with what they're dealing with and mm -hmm. so you just got to read the person read the room. The other thing is also just keep the manual check-ins every now and then because sometimes things can slip by and you know, before you know it, like things build up over a period of time. Um, and so the other also th awesome thing is actually just inviting not just the individual, the player, but the partners and the kids over for dinner or just all those little small things that you don't really um, you don't really see, but then you, you get more out of the partners because they, they're as much as more part of the actual piece of the puzzle than anyone else and so you get you build this relationship with the with the family and then all of a sudden um you can you can you develop a good relationship a trusting system and then all and then you can see little red red flags here and there and and it's it's not it's not it's not it's not um serious it's also just you know we're men we can have a conversation every now and then and just talk about it and then knowing that it's not going to be talked about anymore or we can talk about it in a safe place mm. that's all that so I think is, is possible. You see, at the end of a game, uh, some teams, a group of them will get together and like some yeah. will take a knee, and um, they it seems like they're having a a, a pray a prayer together. Um, who who kind of organises those those prayer get-togethers and like what kind of stuff are they praying about? I think it started a couple of years back, actually. I think it was like four, maybe four or five years ago. Teams like it was all you see it in NFL. They do it all together. The chaplains involved, and I think. Um, we took a bold stance with some players after the game and praying all together. Um, nowadays, it's it's normal now. It didn't used to be. Mm. And uh, I remember one, um, I think one journalist was saying, it just paints a, a, a perfect picture. Well, not a perfect picture, but just paints a great picture in terms of just, you know, being together after a game. They've just, you know, gone to war and all of a sudden they've come together and respect. And I think culturally too, there's another aspect of where... Um, players that have grown up culturally faith has been a big thing and sometimes in, in a system where you in in a man in sport um faith can be sort of the odd one out mm. but now it's been welcomed welcomed yeah. and i think it's at the club's discretion with players how they endorse it and openly express it so what kind of stuff are they praying about when they get in that huddle they yeah. well i think they've just been thankful yeah thankful for the game and know uh, you know if there are either injuries or just thankful for whatever if it's a win or loss I doubt they're playing for a win or loss. They're just playing for a just a thank you. Yeah, Timmy, I'd be interested <coughs> in your insight mm. into this. Um, was there a, a stage in the game back in the day where you were just cop it for having any kind of faith and standing out? And is it more yeah. acceptable now, or what do you? Um, 
You know what? No, I think I think Jason Stevens is probably a bit of a pioneer in that regard. Mm. I remember he copped a lot of flack for coming out and talking about his celibacy and talking about his faith. Yeah. Um, and he kind of broke the ice a lot. You know, the way he handled it was like, okay, he's pretty normal and um, he's a good player. Yeah. And he's still at his faith. So he really helped break down a lot of walls. walls. So by the time I got in there, um, I was a young kid. I was lucky enough to have someone like Jace that kind of mentored me in the early stage of my career. And I felt really comfortable. I never, ever felt um, out of place. I never felt um, like I wasn't welcome in the sport. So, yeah, you know, I think that the sport has taken a huge steps to get to that space. You know, if, if I was playing probably 30 years ago, it might have been a different story. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty fortunate enough to be in an era where I was encouraged in my yeah. faith. I think yeah. the other thing too, sorry to butt you in, yeah. Timmy, is that now we're going... Oh, we're don't getting... butt him in. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't, please don't. don't. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to let it go. Nah, you let me go last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You met the rock before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you met the rock. Well, his name is Jay-Z. It's not the rock. What's happening now with young kids? They're actually like more confident in their in their, in their Christianity walk and faith. And sometimes I've got to pull like it's the opposite now. I've got to pull back and say just you know because sometimes you paint a picture of a Christian athlete automatically you th- like perfection comes along with it or whatever. But you've got to remember we're still humans. We still make mistakes. Yeah. And so that in itself, like you're already putting yourself in a high pedestal. Pedestal. And so I'm, it's the opposite now because now I've got to start dealing with mate. Just just. Not tone it down, just more like just be careful and be cautious because, um, you know, you are a role model, but you also are human. So I, that's just – I'm with you on this. I've got yeah. you, so we just got to be careful. Yeah, we're all on the same page just having a all crack, aren't we? Correct. Who does George Danzy go to when he's struggling? What, yeah. is, what does he do? What, well, how does he get through his tough times? Um, Eleven seventy podcast, Tim Manor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the ministry yeah. on the front of the ministry. Yep. That, that gets uh, me going. The spirit of sport. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? It, it only took you one go to get the station right. It took Benny about three weeks. Or <laughs> no, I, I actually because you know you, you. I was talking to my wife about this because people are, are deal, you're, they're talking through stuff with you, and you, somehow you got to get it off you. I've got a uh, psych. I've got a couple of mates that I catch up with every now and then, and we just we just talk life. Mm. We talk um, fun. We laugh. We we have fun. We eat food. Um, we laugh again when they have food again, and then we just and that's it. That's to me. That's how I'm dealing with all the process and stuff like that. So I don't. Uh, this the psychologist that sometimes I see. He helps me with just how to deal with it um, mm. in terms of mentally. And so if I'm going to bed, I'm going to make sure I'm not thinking about it. Now I know you talk about f- food and eating, uh, <laughs> which I can, talk, I, I, I can talk about for a very long time. I know I'm, where you're I'm going a, with I'm this. A big, I'm a big foodie. I know where you're no, going. No, well, <laughs> let's, let's go to a different angle here. Uh, uh, Jason Stewart, you talk at the Eels, yep. uh, former player, yep. uh, num- play number s- 516 uh, for the Paramount Eels, played six games or seven games. Uh, you and him formed a bit of a team and would train in the gym quite often. Now, he no longer works for the Eels. I want to know... Are you maintaining your training regime? Oh, that is a loaded question. And I'll be honest and say, no, I'm not. In actual fact, I haven't seen Jace for a while and he'll be looking at me up and down going, how's the walk going? Yeah, and, yeah. And that's definitely a question to say, you know what, get back on the bike. 
Um, also, the other thing I'd like to say, which I thought you were alluding to, was yeah. um, it's, it so happens when, I, when I'm rocking up to, to training or whatever during the week. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't believe <laughs> it, Benny. Let me tell you, <laughs> George Danzy, he's, well, it feels like he's full-time and he's there all the time. Mm. He, he, he comes and goes when he needs to, yeah. when, when he's needed. Yeah. It just so happens that the times he's at training, all of a sudden there's a barbecue or there's a team feed. And just the Where time, a friend goes uh, or something. You can smell it from a mile away and he just rocks up. So George Danzy's definitely got a, a, a really good um, timing about him. Yeah. I, well, I'll just say I'm just, I'm blessed. I'm on it. Yeah. The timing is, you can't, you can't teach it. You can't teach timing. No. God, it's the right time. Like yeah. the, the God moment comes in. Oh, sorry. Is that a, oh. Is that a barbecue straight away? Oh, I must have come at the right time. Oh, is everyone going to Kenzo? <laughs> oh, sure. Now, what uh, what skills have you added? To, obviously, you're you're a chaplain in your ministry. Um, is there any other things you've learned along the way? Any other courses you've learned along the way that's given you a bit of extra skill to yeah. to prep you for any other roles? Yeah, I, definitely counselling has helped. Um, yep. So, did a bit of counselling. I did um like before I started as a chaplain, I did marketing. So I. Really? So I saw the movie Jerry Maguire. Straight away, I was in. Really? I didn't know this. Yeah, help me. Help you. <laughs> help me help you. Yes. Show me the money. Yes. Um, Jerry Maguire. So yeah, that was, they got me. They got me straight Oof. away. But then as I as I was dealing, like trying to figure out life, um, I asked a couple of athletes actually, like, would it, would it, uh, would it, would you, could you see me being an agent? And uh, I respected a player and said, you know what? You'd be more of a, of a, of a person that's a chaplain more than agent i can see you doing um uh being a chaplain and i went oh what's well, a chaplain that's got me interested straight away because he I, I i i still respect him today pj marsh if you're listening thank you um, Preach, and, yeah and he's so listener. he's the one that he's actually spoke listener. he spoke into my life and not realizing what it what it did um mm. and so and so with jerry mcguire did marketing and then i and then and i did a sports chaplaincy course for a week i didn't know what sports chaplaincy was until i saw the um what chaplains did in, in, in American sport. And then and then just catching up with you and some other players um, really helped me. And then being official at the Parramatta Eels and, and then dealing with some of the situations there really helped. Mm. But then counselling came on board, so a bit of counselling. But then also um, at the moment, it's just probably just starting to launch out of like an, an off-venture consultancy, like more to do with the spiritual stuff mm. called Manifold uh, Global. So just doing stuff wow. that, that, you know, not just in the sporting role, but also outside of the sporting role could be... Manifold, that's spelled M-A-N-A-H? No, sorry. Right? Manifold. Man manifold, yeah. Okay, so not Tim Manifold. No, no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Can't do that. Manifold, Did I like that. Did he ask you? Did he ask you for that? <laughs> well, I don't know. He didn't ask me. I feel it's like a... Oh. You're welcome to use it, Manifold, if you like, with a, with a double N-A-H. There's only one mana in my books. Oh, oh. nice. Okay. That's, that's a heaven mana. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, there's date mana, there's Richard, there's a lot of manas. Yeah. Um, man mate... <laughs> I want to talk more about how you can see yourself in the next five years. So right. we're talking about what skills you have, the, the the connections you have with players, which I genuinely don't think there's any person outside of the football department in any club that connects with players the way you do. So you have a connection with players. The same reason why Jared and I knocked down the door 10 years ago to get you in there is probably the same reason why so many players um, want you around. Um, how, how can you harness it? How can you use that connection to... Add some more value. So obviously you're there as a chaplain, but what else can you yeah, do? Yeah, I, I think that's still evolving, to be honest, to answer that question like that. Probably, like, it's a new space now. I think chaplaincy, what chaplaincy represents, is part of a bigger picture called wellness and well-being. And I think that space is definitely evolving. I did a course with the, uh, with a, with um, Steve Johnson, which is this, um, 
the spawn size guys. They mm. talk about well-being um, with the elite athletes. And so I think, like, I thought about counselling, thought about psychology, thought about being a consultant. So all that, you package that all into three, into one and we add a bit of spirituality and ministry into it. Like, what does that look like? I don't know, but I think all of those elements are in there. That's awesome. With um, COVID restrictions being back on, um, the first wave of COVID, um, what kind of things did you see experience the players going through, like interacting with the bubble? Um, what, what kind of stuff are the, are the players going through that we could potentially be he- headed back into? Yeah. Uh, players, I actually, during the last, well, last year, was more like I was more concerned for the coaching staff and, you know, people that were in the bubble because they're the ones that are actually on the forefront as well as the players. And the good thing, the good thing about it is they've got well good support based around it. But it's mainly the, you know, like the things that they they can't do, like even going out, going out for a walk, like that does a lot for some of these guys going with the kids or even playing with the kids, you know, certain places. Um, definitely, the mindset, mental stuff gets real, messes yeah. with you. Like if there's one in five in terms of um, people in general will get mental ill, a mental depression or mental illness. Yeah. In in elite athletes, one in three. Yeah. Right. So there's a there's a big difference. So you're interacting um, with depression quite a lot. People do. Well, with depression. yeah, depression or just some sort of mental struggle. Yeah, crazy. I'm. I don't. I don't want to get distracted here. I'm, this is a little rude of me, but behind you, Georgie, there's a TV. <laughs> As, are you guys aware that this is a sport? <laughs> axe throwing. <laughs> axe throwing. We yeah. actually. Yeah. I. You know what? Yeah. There's an. Uh, there. There is a uh, what studio they call it, whatever they call it down yeah. in Sydney. That is open a couple of months ago. Well, a place you can go and throw, throw axes. axes. Correct. Well, it's like a bar. Yeah, they, they, got a, they got a crowd. They got a. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's actually just launched a month, couple of months ago. I wonder if they need a sports chaplain. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you threw an axe? <laughs> last time I threw an axe. Yeah. Oh, last week. I don't think I've ever thrown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever thrown. <laughs> oh, sorry, a little bit distracted. George, you're talking about different sports. Can you give the listeners at home a bit of an idea? What kind of sporting teams or what kind of sports have you worked with in the past? Yeah, wow. Well, well, I was fortunate enough to go with Jared and see see the chapel, how chapels run in for the 49ers, which was really good, mm. really cool. Um, <clears throat> obviously, with the Springboks, I was the um, in, back quite a while ago. Um, I worked with the Waratahs, but also quite a while ago with Australian Rugby Union, they had two sporting academies, one in Queensland, one in New South Wales, and so I was the official chaplain there. Mm. And so they got me close with some of the Wallabies at the time, Will Skelton. And, and Steve, Steve Cummings, some of them. And so all these guys that I've um, developed a good relationship with over the years. And so I went, was the official, well, unofficial official Fijian chaplain for the World Cup in 2011 in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went there for the two weeks. Went over to, where, where was oh, Commonwealth Games, yep. the Gold Coast in 20, what was it, 2019. So I helped out there as a volunteer. They had a, a faith-based um, centre. So we ran a couple of services out there and I'll oh, just basically now in the role that I'm in now, like basically sort of a lot of other chaplains just ask for a bit of advice and guidance around their role. Yeah. So possibly not overseeing, but like, you know, helping other chaplains in their role. I know the South chaplain's a bit raw yep. and probably needs a bit of uh, guidance. Are you ha- South or West Tide? Oh, sorry, Tiger. He's a South, sorry, he's a South fan. Yeah, he's a South fan. Our mate Magoo. Oh. He's a, a South fan. Cats he's out of he's out of Tigers, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you, with your veteran status, you're probably helping the rookies through. Yeah. Um, 
which like what's that industry? What's that? Oh, not an industry, but how many chaplains are there in the country? Like I know you guys have a. Is it a association that you yeah, guys are part of? Yeah, Sports Chaplaincy Australia have been really good. They're actually the vehicle that trains um, sports chaplains to become chaplains, with it, whether it be motorsport, any type of sport, community sport, netball, and and soccer, all those. And so <clears throat> they they are really. Um, unique in, in that in that regard in terms of um, training and using churches to to be to to train up chaplains now the, the, there's an also elite part of that was with all the elite chaplains in AFL um, and so we all get together once a year uh, pre-covid I'm not too sure what's happening now but we're always catching up and seeing how things are in different avenues but everything's quite similar mm. you know um, so we catch up with the uh, AFL chaplains in the Gold Coast Suns those in Hawthorne, so so it, it chaplains sports chaplains is developing here in Australia. I would say, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely developing. Is there a standout story or standout experience that you've had in chaplaincy that just 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 made you go, "Yep, I'm right where I need to be. I'm 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 definitely graced for this." You keep smiling at me when I ask you questions. I feel like <laughs> that's, that's, like, a, that's a Georgie, mate. Yeah, that's you've a got Georgie. A it's yeah. a fake smile. It's saying, like, oh, yeah. fake smile. No, no, it's, it's, not, it's a nervous it's smile. Yeah. Like, what do you What do you got for me? Your smile is saying, "Talk to me more," and your eyes are just. I feel like your eyes are making love to me. Can you just stop it, please? Jeez. <laughs> oh no, thanks. It's a the um, show. couple of stories. I think. Well, uh, actually, oh no, I've got it in my phone. So there was a guy um, over the years got relate. We, we developed a good relationship. Um, over and like you know, you get, once you get to develop a relationship, you actually you know you, you invite him to your life. He comes over for dinner. And then all of a sudden, you feel comfortable texting, say if you want to come to church. Uh, kept doing that for a couple of weeks. No, no, no reply. Then he texts me back saying, "Hey, I know I've been um, not replying, but just wanted to say oh, from church and I haven't seen eye to eye. Um, just you know stuff that you know and I was upbringing whatever. But um, I want I've met a girl." And I want you to meet her, and she sort of reminds me of you. And I'm like, thanks. The girl reminds, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. girl reminds me of you. In and he's, <laughs> he keeps going. He says she she's honest, she's straight up, she's nice. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then he at the bottom line of it, he goes, and she's a Christian. She goes to church, and I'm like, bingo. And so, um, so I said, look, she would, no, she said she wants to come to church um, whenever you want. So I'll come with her. I'm like, oh wow! So it just takes a girl to, to bring him. That's fine. And then um, all of a sudden, she, they both come and he loves it. He loves, and he just finds. It. I, he he played, but like he just, I think he just found himself. Mm. And he, he, I can't explain it. He just found himself, and all of a sudden they developed this relationship with her, uh, with with his wife now, Katie, with the girlfriend at the time. And you just, like, you just see their life flourish over a period of time. They've just had their first child, Julius. They're in France at the moment, mm. and so um, that's that's like a twelve, maybe tw maybe seven to ten year process of that developing. And just seeing seeing him flourish, making the, the Wallabies, making um, his life go, tra traveling with his wife. Just seeing those those moments really is like, oh, you know what? That actually gets gets me going because mm. you, you see the process of, and you see their life and you see some of the parts and roles you've played, yeah. and not necessarily. Blasting over an Instagram, but just knowing that oh yeah, I was there when that happened. I was there when that helps. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said for helping facilitate these healthy life-bringing relationships and career decisions yeah. and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Is there any um, you know, certain critical decisions that players generally bring you in on? Do they ask for your advice and get 
direction. Oh, yeah. Well, the other thing also is that I knew a particular individual was changing codes. And I could, and the other thing is I can I could have made some money out of it. Hello. Because that, that was the bet, bet would, going on. What for. were the odds? I don't know. I didn't see it. But, <laughs> like, you could make some money. But then you're entrusted with somebody's news that he's going to yeah. go somewhere. And so I'm like, oh, I honour you. Thanks for telling me. And so I just – I think I had to – that. Can I guess who that is or no? No, I don't know. Well, I'm not going to guess who that is, but I'm going to tell you a story about a friend of mine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, everyone, you, you would know my mate, Semi Rod, right? Rod, Rod, yep. Let me tell you a story. So, <laughs> <laughs> there was a time where he just went um, he just went missing. So, no one knew where he was. And I remember oh, yeah. about Arthur, the coach at the time, he's been away for a couple of weeks. No one can get a hold of him. He's in Fiji. And he calls me, Brad calls me and says, mate, no one can get a hold of him. His manager is going to fly to Fiji tomorrow to try to find him. Just go over there to the country because his manager can't get a hold of him either. And I was in the car with one of, uh, one of my teammates. And we thought, you know what, let's try calling him, see if he answers. We ring him up. Sure enough, <laughs> my brother, he's like, talk, like, like nothing's happened. The, the, whole, the whole country's looking for him. And he's just talking like there's nothing wrong. He goes, yeah, no, I'll be back, on, I'll be back next Thursday. Like, everything's fine. Tell coach I'm all right. Okay, no worries. So then the next time Brad called us about half an hour later, we said, hey, yeah, we spoke to him. He's fine. He's going to come back on Thursday. Um, and Brad, what are we talking about? You know, what, what number did you call? I said, this is the number. Goes, oh, I've been calling the wrong number. I said, can you send me that number? Anyway, so we sent him the number. And um, for a couple of minutes later, Brad calls me back. He goes, are you sure that was the right number? I'm like, yeah, okay, that's what we just called. He goes, he goes oh, he, he's, an, uh, his auntie answered and said he's training or something. I said, oh, okay, well, we spoke to him a couple of minutes ago. He's like, okay, okay, no, no, and he hangs up. And about two months later, I'm having a, a coffee with uh, Semi at a cafe and he's training. And we're just sitting there, just me and you know, just, just sitting there quietly. We weren't even saying much. And he just starts giggling to himself. And I'm like, what are you, what are you laughing at? And he starts to tell me the story about it. that day that, uh, you know, Takarangi and I called him. Um, a couple of minutes later, Brad Arthur calls him. And he doesn't have Brad Arthur's number saved in his phone, so... Sure enough, he answers his phone and realizes it's Brad Arthur. And the second he realizes it was oh. Brad, he goes, Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's training. Oh and to this, and, yeah, and for years, Brad thought his auntie answered the phone <laughs> and there was Sammy and Radra putting in a woman's voice to get oh. out of talking to the coach. Uh, oh, one of the greats. And now, I know you're not talking about him because he made nah. a coach switch at all. I'm, I'm sure it's on him. <laughs> nah. uh, no, that's, no, those stories are unbelievable. Yeah, like that's the things you sort of entrusted with. Yeah. And I know that's that's something that I've got to keep keep pushing and, and, and protecting. That's hilarious. So outside of chaplaincy, uh, is there anything you've been working on lately? Uh, yeah, just like, like I said, just trying to figure out what, what can it present in terms of uh, sports uh, as a chaplain. Being, I said um, the well-being space has been really a big thing for me. I realised that it's actually developing and evolving over a period of time, especially nowadays in the frequent climate that we're in. So working on um, certain things and starting like a an off-the-cuff, off like a consultancy role or well-being role with um, globe, Manifold Global has been good. Mm. I'm what, sorry, mate, but this is unbelievable. Yeah, they the, both got bullseyes with yeah, the axe. Yeah. Anyway, well, what's, but George, you're doing a great job. Right? There's an art yeah. to it. There's gold. Thank what you. you're saying is gold too, George. Yeah, I'm sorry. George, we really value <laughs> what, what you're saying. <laughs> but there was a double axe throw. That was incredible. Right above your head. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, a, I'm, I'm going go, to go home and I'm going to study this sport because I want to yeah. learn more about this. No, I'll, really I'll back you. And then I'm going to find out if they need a chaplain and, and send George there. Yeah, it seems like the kind of exercise you'd, you'd flourish in too. Yeah. Well, standing there. Georgie, I know you witnessed this last week, but you're about to partake in our 60-second blitz. 
with blitz. blitz. Okay, this is what this is, Georgie. Is I'm just going to hit you with sixty seconds. So the f- sixty seconds of questions. So the first answer that comes to your head, we just we we just want to hear it. Okay, you ready <laughs> for go. it? I'm ready. Okay, first one. Worst investment you've ever made? Oh, uh, some pants holding them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Stop, you, stop you, the timer. This, stop, this does not. No, end, this is not. End, 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 we're not going to sixty no. seconds here. Oh. You bought pants with holes in them. You yeah. invested yeah. in pants with you holes know, in them. I was walking down the street and didn't realise there was a whole hole. Everyone can see my backside, but yeah. I, I was twelve, thirteen. Yeah. And you bought them that way, or? Well, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bad uh, investment. Mate, bad, that is bad investment. Yeah. Pocket money. Yeah. Come on. Go ahead. Um, no, I appreciate that. Now, listen. Um, favorite book? The Bible. What, of course, chaplain, <laughs> what did you uh, used to get in trouble for growing up off your parents the most? Uh, lying. Okay, just straight up lying. <laughs> just lying through your teeth like a good chaplain. I, I am a chaplain, yes. Yeah. What do you, um, what wouldn't anyone know about you? Like a quirky habit or something uh, like that? I play the saxophone and the Oh, beg your pardon? <laughs> <laughs> they, you, say, they say the saxophone is the best kisses in the world. Talk to my wife, Stephanie, about it, but <laughs> I did play the tenor sax. You played the saxophone? Correct. How did I not know this? Well, that's why it's a secret. <laughs> wow. On, on, honestly, I would, uh, honestly, guys, next I week, would, tune in. We will have the saxophone I would. Player. I would pay good money to <laughs> just sit there and just enjoy, enjoy. You'd actually be really great to watch play the saxophone. <laughs> I was at dinner the other night at a restaurant that had a really sax good. and a drum, the two restaurants. Yeah. And I just sat there like waiting for my food and... and you know when you wait for your food, you're hangry and you just wait. And everything. Yeah, yeah. I've never enjoyed waiting for my food more. I just sat there watching yeah. them play the sax. And I'm thinking, this is lovely. It is. Mm. It's an art. It is lovely. It's an art. It's soothing. And I've known you for over a decade and not once have ever... Well, I, I told my wife, I said, you know what? I need to go get my own music studio and just have the drum kit and the sax there straight away. Well, we've got a studio right here. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's right. no saxophone. Keep on going. Sorry. Yeah, we'll no Buddy, need time, Timmy. Yeah, uh, would you consider yourself a hunter or a gatherer? Ooh. Uh, gatherer. What's your wife's favorite thing about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my smile. Okay, all right. What's the smile you've been giving me through the, uh, this <laughs> yeah. interview? Yeah, with yeah. my eyes. Sorry, makes me feel a bit um, anxious, but that's all right. Um, what if you could meet anyone? Who would you want to meet? Ooh, wow. Okay. Um, I would say Martin Luther King. Is there a quirky habit that you have? Biting my nails. Biting my nails. How how long how long has that been an issue? No, uh, all my life. And would you like some help with intervention? No, thanks. <laughs> okay. Last question, <laughs> but not least. When did you meet Timmy Manor and what stood out to you about this character? Okay, here we go. I think <laughs> I met him when he was a 16, 17-year-old kid playing playing in Haramats or SG Ball with Para. I think it was through another friend called Josh Davis. Oh, yes. Could that, could yes, that be yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. And you, they were living in, in, in the Bronx, which is obviously the, the, the apartments across the road from the mm. Eels uh, Leagues Club. I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Are we, um, I used to pick up Josh Davies every day. He was living a bit out of Paramount at the start. And every morning I'd pick him up. It was first thing in the morning. So it was like 5.30 in the morning. And he'd open up this fat loss powder he'd be taking. And my car would reek from the smell. Oh, and now yes. every time I like, think <laughs> of my man Josh, I think of that same smell. It comes straight to my mind. <laughs> Uh, he was a champion. And yeah. yeah, you're right. He was yeah. um he was pretty connected with church and then yeah. we kind of met through that well, he way. He came from Wellington and I think he was a bit homesick. And so that's when, I don't know how we got a hold of him, maybe through a family member that I knew. And then that's when he kept telling me about you. And I knew, um, that was when, yeah, I think you, that, that would have been it. That yeah, been wow. It. 
All right, George, it has been an absolute honor, a pleasure. Um, what it's, it's kind of hard to explain to our listeners. I was trying to paint the picture. Like, obviously, <laughs> I didn't want you to name drop too much in you know, the teams and players you've worked with, but I want the listeners to understand how much of an impact you've had, not just on you know the Premier Eagles, but it's, it's much wider and larger than that. And, um, mm. I get, it's hard to explain how many lives have been touched because of you and how many it's it's weird to talk about athletes because athletes have got a lot of walls as you know and they don't let anyone in it's very hard for them to let someone in and i've never seen someone break down those walls connect with athletes as much as you have so it's a real honor for you to share your story for you to give us a bit of insight thank you so much and uh benjamin as always yep honor and privilege here's some tips for maintaining your trex deck um Occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Thanks for uh, steering the ship. Thanks, guys.